Well, it's 6.30 and we have a very ambitious agenda tonight, so I'd like to get started. It's fantastic to see this many people out to celebrate democracy, and I believe it's the first forum of the election period. Yes, number one, so this is excellent. Hopefully the energy doesn't wane over the next 20 odd days. Um, my name is Bonnie Ferris, and I'm your moderator today. If at any point you can't hear me at the back, just wave and I will talk louder. Um, I am a political scientist. I have a master's in political science. I've worked in municipal government and post-secondary, and I love democracy. So being here today is such an honor, so thank you. First, I want to acknowledge that we are on traditional Blackfoot territory tonight, so this is uh, an important acknowledgement. So. Um, Today, I want to talk about the process. So first, if everyone could silence your phones or make sure they're off, just because we don't want to disrupt the flow, um, please just double check, because you always get that one at the, the most inopportune time. Again, we do have coffee and water at the back. There will be a break halfway through so you can fill up your cups, but for right now, we want to be respectful and try and stay in our seats as much as possible. So again, thank you for coming today. The way today is going to work um, is, and this is not SACPA's first uh, uh, rodeo when it comes to forums. They're, they're well-versed and uh, very organized. I want to thank SACPA first and foremost. For anyone who hasn't spent a Thursday afternoon at one of their amazing um, uh, talks, please do. I strongly encourage it. It really does... Um, enhance our intellectual discourse here in Lethbridge and they, and they play a valuable role in, in encouraging democracy throughout the year and between elections, so I encourage that. Um, we've got a series of parts here today. So to start with, each of our candidates is going to do a two-minute introduction um, and say whatever they want to say. Then we're going to get into structured questions. SACPA has developed um, a series of questions. Each candidate is going to draw a number out of a hat, which correlates with the question. I will ask the question. They have two minutes to respond to that question. Each candidate has three rebuttal cards. So if at any point they want to speak to a question that was not asked of them, they get one minute to do so. They only have three, so use them wisely. If time permits, by the end of the evening, it'll be a free-for-all. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Um, after, the, the, each, each candidate will get two questions of that nature, um, and then we will move into um, a debate process. One just never knows how that's going to uh, play out, so we'll have to, we'll have to see how, how heated and passionate it gets. But of course, we will always treat each other with respect, and if at any point it becomes disrespectful or unruly, I'm the moderator and I'll shut it down. Unless I think it's insightful and interesting, then we'll let it go. <laughs> that's the power. Um, then we'll have a 10-minute break, and then when we come back, there will be an opportunity for questions from the audience. This is going to be a very, I think it's one of the most exciting parts of the night. Um, because there is quite a bit of time allocated, we want to have everyone ask their question, so each question will be limited to a minute. And I have to remind you, if you are going to ask a question, we're not here to hear you speak. We're here to hear the candidates answer your question. So if I get, if I'm a little bit rude and tell you get to your question, I apologize in advance, but get to your question because we really want to hear the answer. That's why we're here. So um, I apologize in advance. 
But that's how the night's going to play out. And then each candidate will have an opportunity at the end to, do, to say their closing statement. And hopefully by the end of tonight, you will be an informed, excited voter. And if not, we failed miserably. But that's how it's going to play out. So firstly, I would like to acknowledge that um, all the candidates, uh, all five candidates, were asked to come tonight and had the opportunity to, to attend. As you can see, two candidates are not here. So the Alberta Party candidate, Ali um, Taylor, is out of province and she sends her regrets. And Nathan Newdorf, the Alberta United Conservative Party candidate, has declined um, given they're being selective in how many forums they are attending and this was not one of them. So. <laughs> We applaud those that did show up. <laughs> so on that note, um, we're going to start tonight's uh, opening remarks. And we're going to go in alphabetical order. So that means, uh, Miss Maria Fitzpatrick, you get to come up. Okay, good evening, bonsoir tout le monde. I'm very pleased to be here this evening and on the traditional territory of the Blackfoot Confederacy, and I also acknowledge the Métis people of Treaty 3. Thank you to the Southern Alberta uh, Council on Public Affairs, SACPA, for organizing this forum. I welcome the opportunity to speak about the ND commitment passed and present to the Lethbridge East and Lethbridge in its entirety. In 2015, I promised to represent Lethbridge East. I have done that every single day since then. I show up. I listened to constituent concerns. I spoke on their behalf. I made sure that the legislature knew where Lethbridge was and what our needs were. I spoke to ministers to ensure they understood what we needed. Most issues that came to me were not pie in the sky, but real, honest-to-goodness needs that had to be moved forward. Both Shannon and I met with the mayor and council as often as possible to ensure we were in the loop on city priorities and to ensure both our caucus and our cabinet remained informed as to those priorities. The needs of Lethbridgeans have been heard and addressed by our provincial government over and over again during the last four years in a manner that was not previously seen. Our government is committed to working with you and for you. Thank you. Perfectly timed. Excellent. Now I'd like to invite Mr. Devin Hargraves to come up. All right. My name is Devin Hargraves, and I'm your candidate for Lethbridge East for the Alberta Liberal Party. I'd like to acknowledge as well that we are on Treaty 7 lands, and thanks, uh, thank SACPA. It's great to be back here. Um, I also wish all my fellow candidates the best, and I thank them for participating in our democracy. 
The Alberta Liberal Party founded this province back in 1905, and the values that we hold brought us to where we are today. We believe that everyone should have access to quality uh, public health care, regardless of their ability to pay. We believe education is a building block to good jobs and a strong economy. And we believe in harnessing the power of our natural resources while protecting the environment for future generations. These are the values that built our province and the values that we need to return to today. I feel Albertans deserve better and you deserve better. I'm committed to common sense policies geared towards Lethbridge families, our economy, and our medical needs. We'll cap classroom sizes, uh, allowing for more direct attention uh, to individual students, while supporting additional resources as needed to ensure we are building for our future. Uh, we will keep childcare affordable, allowing families to have more income in the bank at the end of the day. We'll take a common sense approach to age increases to better match the cost of living uh, throughout the years. We also promise to keep mental health and addictions included in the conversation surrounding healthcare, and we won't campaign in uh, public medical facilities. Um, we'll support our economy by building our job market and opportunities. We've already called on the federal government uh, for more transparency surrounding the pipeline process. We're committed to diversifying our economy and investing in education to keep our province competitive and prosperous. The Alberta Liberal Party and myself are focused on moving our province forward together. I'm Devin Hargreaves, and I would be honored to have your vote. Excellent, thank you. And Mr. John McKenna. Good evening, I'm John McKenna, and I represent the Alberta Independence Party for Lethbridge East. Our mission is to form a government and guide Alberta into independence. All of us candidates, uh, we're not career politicians. We are everyday Albertans who see how Alberta has changed over the last 40 and 50 years, and we think it's going in the wrong direction. So we want to end equalization payments to the federal government. That's $41 billion, a combination of equalization and taxes that go to the federal government that we can keep at home and be spent on the people of Alberta. Also, income tax. No income tax. If you earn less than $45,000 per year, uh, you pay zero income tax. Over $45,000, you pay a flat tax of 20%. No carbon tax, GST, or PST, Ever. Business tax, 8.5% for all of Alberta businesses. If you're a foreign business, 9%. Schools, 100% funding for those schools who meet a common sense curriculum that will enable students to be successful and function in society. Policing, we will have a national police force that will be created combining the duties of the RCMP, the sheriffs, and the police or the peace officers. Enhanced benefits for senior citizens, retirees, and the disabled, an estimated benefit of $3,750 per month. We will have a seamless conversion of from CPP to APP with enhanced benefits. All of our politicians will have a fiduciary duty to the people of Alberta and to the province of Alberta. 
We will have a duty of care and a duty of loyalty to our constituents. Politicians who fail to perform their fiduciary duties can be recalled by their constituents, thus giving power back to the people. We'll create a realistic balance between support, supporting environmental initiatives and the needs of the people and the economic reality of a healthy Alberta. The creation of an independent Alberta by referendum. If the people agree, the process will require a four-year transition period and change Alberta from a province to an independent republic. And once again, my name is John McKenna, and I'm representing the Alberta Independence Party. Thank you very much. Excellent. Now we're going to go into our question period. Um, I want to reiterate that the questions were crafted by SACPA ahead of time and circulated to each of the candidates, so they had some time to mentally prepare and think about their answers. However, they don't know which one they're going to get. So that's the fun of it. So we're going to start actually in alphabetical order again, Maria, if you're okay with that. Um, and so, Knut, if you'd like to... Bring up the hat. We're very sophisticated here. Number six. Number six. Okay. So this question deals with Alberta's revenue shortfall, spending, and taxation. Ooh, we're going to start big. Does Alberta have a revenue or spending problem, or both? What are the best options in terms of protecting the most vulnerable and taxing the wealthy? Cuts across the board or selectively? And or implementing tax increases or decreases, both are options, and possibly include a provincial sales tax. The question is, where do you and your party stand on deficits, spending and taxation? And please elaborate. As you have probably heard, uh, our finance minister, Joe Sisi, has uh, over and over again uh, talked about our budget, our capital plan, and he has, and we have, a measured and prudent plan to get back to balance by 2023. In fact, the deficit is down by 1.9 million from the budget in 2018. We absolutely must protect education, health care, and the services that families throughout the province need. We cut small business taxes by one-third. We will not cut big corporations' taxes, as the uh, missing chair uh, party has uh, uh, recommended by 4.5% billion dollars in tax cuts. We need that money to provide the services that we need in Alberta. Thank you. Would either of the other candidates like to rebuttal? 
Not at this time. We're going to play it safe. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Next, Devin, if you could please select a number. Number eight. Okay. This question deals with AHS, long-term and continuing care, and private health care. At $60 million per day and over $22 billion per year, Alberta Health Services is by far the most expensive service provided by Alberta's government. Despite all the money being invested, wait times at emergencies can still be long, and for certain ailments or selective services. Some people seek costly treatment or surgery at private clinics statewide or elsewhere. The question is, where do you and your party stand on Alberta Health Services, long-term and continuing care, and privatization? We support, oh, that's loud. <laughs> We support publicly funded health care, but we can't let the debate uh, around health care center on a single issue. The Alberta Liberal Party just uh, released our platform on health uh, this week. Um, our focus is going to be on preventative care, uh, nutrition, lifestyle, poverty, education, and uh, mental health to keep people healthy instead of just treating them when they're sick or injured. This will reduce long-term costs. Uh, and we do need to invest more in long-term and home care to help drive down costs. So the, myself and the Alberta Liberal Party 100% support publicly funded health care uh, and uh, keeping it available to everyone. Thank you. Sorry. And I see Maria would like to rebuttal. You've got one minute. Uh, thank you very much and thank you, Devin. Uh, Rachel Notley was here uh, this last week and committed that the NDP would create an additional 2,000 long-term and dementia spaces. We cut breast, breast cancer surgery wait times by 60% in Calgary. Rachel Notley announced a platform plan to significantly reduce surgical wait times by increasing surgeries. We think that's important because everybody in our province needs access to good publicly funded health care. Thank you. Okay, next, John, it's your turn to pick from the hat. Number five. Question five. This question deals with climate change, the carbon tax, and or regulation. Alberta's carbon tax slash levy was implemented in response to climate change. Assuming climate change is a serious issue, is a carbon tax the best way to deal with it, or are regulations enough? The question is, where do you and your party stand on climate change, carbon taxes, and regulations? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, for question five, new scientific evidence is now available that indicates climate change is real. The Earth's climate is changing and has been changing for billions of years. Uh, Canada is fortunate that our abundance of trees and grasslands more than compensates for our pollution in this area. But if we were to participate in a regulatory environment, 
it wouldn't be a viable concern unless all countries in the world were held to the same standards. There is no way we would put the people of, Al of Alberta at a disadvantage on the world stage. There is, uh, besides, our position is that we will not have a PST, GST, or carbon tax, and we believe that excessive taxation is not good for Alberta or good for Albertans. We're back at the beginning. Maria, would you please select another number out of the hat? Number one. Number one. So this question deals with public education. Providing education facilities are necessary in a growing Alberta economy, and many existing schools and colleges or universities need upgrading, besides regular maintenance. <coughs> Managing class size and teacher-student ratios may require more funding, such as raising tuition and school fees. The question is, where do you and your party stand on funding for public education, tuition, and school fees? I have to say that I think our record really speaks for itself. Uh, we uh, have done many things. We froze tuition at the university, and we increased mental health uh, funding at both the university and college. We have built or modernized over 250 schools since we took over that were part of the infrastructure deficit that we faced when uh, we came into the government. We hired 4,000 more teachers across Alberta and we cut school fees, which was a saving of $400,000 to the Catholic and the public school boards. I think that that record really does speak for itself, and we believe that education is important to move forward into the future. Our children need to be educated for 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now, not back in the 1980s, which was the previous curriculum review, and I did want to put that in there. So, uh, like I said, we have, uh, we have funded education because it was the right thing to do. Thank you. I see that Devin would like to rebuttal. Thank you. Uh, in Alberta, Liberal government would scrap uh, class size guidelines in favor of class size caps. Uh, we've been hearing this every day on the doors that people's children are not getting the, the attention they need in the classroom. Uh, they're crowded uh, and uh, after four years the NDP government has not, uh, has not resolved that. Um, so we would commit to uh, matching this uh, new policy of, of caps with the necessary boost in funding investing more into post-secondary uh, as well. Uh, reverse the post-secondary trend that's seen a 10,000 person decrease in technology and trade programs since 2015. Uh, and of course with that we would hire more teachers. Thank you. John, you have one minute. Thank you. We will ensure that uh, student funding goes with the student. We will also ensure that 100% of funding for all schools, whether they're public or private, who meet 
a common sense curriculum and abide by rights and freedoms. So my question is, for your, uh, for the NDP new program, it, will it be funded by increased taxes or increased debt? And that is a question that we will debate after this section. So that is an excellent question. Let's remember that. Thank you. Devin, would you please select a, a number? Number two. So this question deals with water in the context of urban drilling and fracking and the Alberta Energy Regulator. Notwithstanding safety issues with fracking, water allocations for drilling and fracking being controlled by the AER concerns many Albertans, especially in Lethbridge, with our limited supply of quality water. In 2014, plans to drill and frack in West Lethbridge were quashed by massive protests, but Tamarack Valley Energy's recent drilling activity within our city limits proves more needs to be done, although companies are now mandated to hold public consultations before drilling activity. The question is, where do you and your party stand on the fact that permission to drill and frack and water allocations are being controlled by an agency funded directly by industry? Thank you. Uh, myself and the Alberta Liberal Party believe that local governments matter. That's why our plan would give local uh, municipalities more autonomy and power including recognizing them in legislation as an independent order of government within their jurisdiction. With that, we can avoid the fiasco we've seen here in Lethbridge. Uh, we would grant um, Alberta cities control over oil and gas drilling within their own municipal boundaries by allowing them to veto, approve, or disprove with conditions any drilling authorized by the uh, Alberta Energy Regulator. This would give Lethbridge, for example, a much greater ability to plan for growth and development and to protect our citizens. Thank you. Any rebuttals on that? No. Nope. Then our final question. I think I know what number it is. Right but we're going to make you pull it out of the hat anyway. Oh, number three. Number three. So this question deals with subsidies, pipelines, rail tankers, and refineries. Alberta subsidizes oil and gas companies by hundreds of millions of dollars each year. These subsidies come in the form of royalty and tax breaks, loan guarantees, and paying for infrastructure supporting that industry. Alberta is shipping raw bitumen in pipelines and rail tankers to the U.S. at a discount. Many argue increased pipeline capacity to Tidewater is a wise investment, but the Kinder Morgan expansion project is currently held up in court, so bitumen transport by rail is the only immediate option. Some will argue that refining bitumen in Alberta to supply the Canadian market would be a wise long-term investment and it would keep many good jobs in Canada. The question is, where do you and your party stand on subsidies, royalties, pipelines, rail tankers and refining of oil? <laughs> okay. We will ensure that a flat business tax 
that's the lowest in North America. We will also ensure a flat business tax of 8.5% for Alberta-based businesses, regardless of the size. With a combined federal, oh, sorry, we will also ensure a combined federal and provincial 9% flat tax for all foreign businesses. And all businesses will be taxed according to the revenue generated by the businesses in Alberta. A tax based on net income from the Alberta revenue, regardless of subsidies or foreign activities. We will ensure that the nation of Alberta will rework the 23 trade agreements and 92 tax treaties within six months of election to promote the, the United States, Mexico, Canada, and Alberta agreement. We will ensure a straightforward concept of shareholder dividend taxation uh, after the incorporation of business tax rates and personal tax rates. Preferred shares will be taxed at 20% and common shares at 15% after personal earnings deduction of $45,000. A complete rebuild of the Income Tax Act and corporate laws to reflect a combined new perspective will occur over a four-year transition period. We will also ensure 5% royalties uh, paid on a barrel of oil, liquids, natural gas, or other products uh, in 1,000 cubic foot increments that are stored in Alberta. Another 5% due upon release. So this combined 10% uh, total royalty charge for every barrel of oil or equivalent natural gas liquids. We will ensure all 124 different federal tolls, tariffs, levies, exercises, and fees, licensing, import, export, are all removed or restructured. We will ensure the First Nations will ne negotiate their own royalty rates and corporate taxation rates on reserves. This system will follow with First Nations to newly split federal lands negotiated on a four-year transfer. So, in summary, we're having no subsidies for the oil and gas industry. None will be required due to the reduced tax burdens on all businesses and more refining capacity. If it was a good idea, the private sector would have already done it. Shipping by rail? Bad idea. Firstly, it's the most hazardous way to transport large volumes of liquid materials. And the number of derailments weekly makes this motor transportation a very high risk. Secondly, our agriculture industry, which is very important to southern Alberta, is already having difficulty booking space on rail systems. If you fill everything up with oil, how are the farmers going to get their products to markets? Lastly, pipelines are an essential element for both safety and getting our products to market. An independent Alberta would fall under the Landlocked Countries Act. This international act requires that landlocked countries which Alberta would be after an independence, uh, be allocated a right of way through surrounding countries, and that happens to be Canada, to establish a port facility to assure that their products get to international markets. An independent Alberta would request access to three oceans, the Pacific, the Arctic, and the Atlantic. And the problem right now, uh, in conclusion, is that all of our storage facilities and pipelines are completely full. And at a minimum operations, we create more products than we can possibly ship at this time. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any rebuttals to that? No, nope, not at this time. Excellent. Well, now we're going to get into the fun stuff. We're going to get into debate. And I'm not going to stand up for that. I'm going to stay sitting down. So we've heard a couple, uh, we've heard quite a few different um, prepared comments on uh, a number of 
primary topic. So let's go back to um, taxation. So John, you made a comment um, and uh, you asked Maria a question. What was that question? The question was... Use your microphone, please. The question was for public education, how are they going to fund that education? Is it going to be through increased taxes or increased debt for the province? Maria, I'd like you to respond to that. Uh, as I said previously, uh, our finance minister has done a capital plan, has done uh, a budget to prepare uh, when we go back in the legislature, hopefully we will, and education is included in that budget. Now, whether that's, uh, I certainly don't see it as a tax increase because we have not put a tax increase on our um, platform and we are not going to an Alberta uh, tax, provincial tax. In terms of uh, the number of things that have to be paid for, the number of services that have to happen, yes, that may be in a deficit for a short period of time. As I said, we expect to be uh, with our plan, which has been thoroughly thought out and developed uh, very prudently, uh, will be in a balance in uh, 2023. Devin, do you have any comments on that? Would you like to speak to, to increased taxes versus increased debt for education? Yeah, uh, with that, it's just the, the finances of it. Uh, right now, the NDP are practicing frank economics. Just look at how they're shipping, or, or sorry, putting $3.7 into a rail car promise while driving down production. It's, it's an overall uh, theme of how money's being mismanaged in this province, and uh, that needs to stop. So then, John, in response to that, if increased taxes are required, for, for changes to education, do you think you have to increase taxes or increase debt? Um, or how would your party deal with that? We, uh, we plan on funding all education 100% with no increase of taxes and no increase of debt. Because of the equalization and the taxes that we are withholding from the federal government from sharing with Quebec, that um, that money, that $41 billion a year, will produce a world-class education system in Alberta. We will. No, in, no increased taxes, no increase in debt. As a matter of fact, our entire debt for Alberta should be paid off within five years. So John, you've talked about uh, your party's position on equalization payments and there's quite a bit of debate about this. I'd like to hear from the other individuals. So Devin, what's your party's position on equalization payments and how would you address uh, the perceived inequality in those transfers? Well, SACP is a, a pretty smart crowd, and I, I believe you're all aware that equalization isn't a, a provincial issue, it's a federal one. We're going to cut uh, equalization out is not, uh, not something that, that can be said. Uh, the, the what, I guess what Maria is calling them the missing chair party is uh, saying that they're going to sue the government, so we're going to waste more taxpayer dollars on lawyers. It just doesn't make sense. Thank you, Devin. 
I'm going to start by saying that I believe in community. It's about supporting our neighbors and our community on a daily basis. I believe our city looks after our city. I believe our province looks after our province, and our country should look after Canadians. Do I think the current <laughs> formula is fair? No, perhaps not. Under the current equalization deal, a growth rule was implemented and led uh, to Ontario getting a whopping $1 billion in payments this year and Quebec receiving an additional $469 million more by 2020. That being said, Stephen Harper and Jason Kenney negotiated the current equalization deal. In my opinion, the Federal Conservative Party wanted seats in Quebec and they sold Alberta out. Yes, absolutely, please. This is the debate period. Rebuttal. I will have to agree with you 100%. The, uh, the problem with the equalization payment is originally the intention of it was very good and very honorable. It was to share wealth from provinces that had lots of income to the other provinces that were less capable of looking after themselves. Over time, as with a lot of political things, it became corrupted and turned into a slush fund for politicians. Uh, now it is used to buy, buy votes in Quebec, and that's the majority of its use. So I'll have to agree with you when you say that uh, the formula is, is completely faulted and uh, needs to be either cancelled or severely rewritten. A follow-up to that, what would your party do then to rewrite <coughs> constitutional legislation? <laughs> Just throwing it out there. I can answer that one pretty easy. Okay. As an independent Alberta, we're, that's the only way that you can change the equalization on constitution. The alternate method from within the federalized system is we would need seven of the provinces to agree with us, and those seven have to contain 51% of the population. Now, if you look at it from the perspective of you're getting an allowance from your parents all the time. These people over here are working for money. And you say, you know, I want a little bit more. So I'm going to ask Uncle Federal government say, hey, increase our payments. It typically happens if they have votes. Provinces like Alberta, Saskatchewan, BC, they look and they say, hey, we're not being treated fairly. Help us. Let us retain some of this money. The answer, no. You have to jump these hurdles, which the central Canada politicians have created and moved the bar so high that's impossible for any Western province to meet those requirements to change the equalization formula. Any other further comments on that? Okay. Oh, Devin. 
So I'm going to respond with a question then. If we're, we're scrapping equalization and that's what's paying off our, our deficit and such, are you going to be putting a, another tax on Albertans to recoup the money that's currently being withheld by the federal government? No, there'll be absolutely no new taxes. What we will do is all of these equalization payments and the income tax that is currently going to the federal government, which just happens to be approximately $41 billion, will stay in Alberta. By using that money, it allows us to reduce taxation on individual Albertans, to increase all of the services to uh, world-class standards, and all of the services that you currently enjoy, you will retain at at least that level or a better level. Thank you. On the topic of taxation, I'm going to throw this out there. Uh, the provincial sales tax is always a hot topic. What are the pros and cons of a provincial sales tax? Can you, sales tax? Can you identify one for each side? Who would like to start? <laughs> Darn it. John. Uh, there is no pros to a provincial sales tax. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you just want to give your hard-earned cash to the politicians to waste on some other useless project. But, in my opinion, uh, the biggest con is that once a tax is introduced, it is very rarely reduced. It just keeps escalating every, uh, every year or every election period. You may get words of wisdom once every four years saying, oh, no, no, okay, we'll roll that back a little bit, and then you get the same old, same old as soon as the election is over. So I can't really see any positives, but a lot of negatives. Thank you. Well, on that note, I'd just like to add, Alberta already has a provincial sales tax. It's called a carbon tax. Um, <laughs> He went there, he went there. So with that, um, uh, the Alberta Liberal Party would make the carbon tax revenue neutral. We're going to get it one way or the other. It's either going to come from Ottawa or it's going to come provincially. And who better to manage Albertans' money than Alberta? Um, but at, at this point, the Alberta Liberal Party does not support the, the current NDP government's version of, of this carbon tax. In terms of a sales tax, uh, I believe a sales tax is uh, regressive, and the people who pay the most on it are the people who can least afford it. And that is one of the reasons that we are not looking at a sales tax. No comment on the carbon tax, Maria? Not at this time? It's a debate, I just thought I'd... I would love to hear your position on the carbon tax. Okay, so I'm going to begin with climate change is real. It is a scientific fact. And I will tell you that the fact that we have a carbon levy, since it's been implemented, we have reduced our emissions in Alberta by seven megatons. Seven megatons. So as much as people say it's a bad tax, the reality is it works. And I stand by that 
carbon levy. That money is being used to fund diversification in our energy sector. That money goes back to uh, rebates here in this city and all over Alberta. And in fact, $18 million has come back to both Lethbridge and Lethbridge County from that carbon levy to support diversification and to support you in our reduction of uh, emissions in this province. Thank you. John. I have one question on the carbon tax. Why is it necessary to have one anyways? We got along fine without one before. These refunds that we were supposed to receive, I have never received a refund. How many people in the audience have? Oh, I'd say, I'd say maybe 15%. Hmm. I think you should check your GST rebate and you may find out that you do have a carbon rebate. So diversification of the economy did come up, and I think that's something I, I, we need to d discuss here. So what would you do, or what industries would you focus on here in Lethbridge to diversify our economy and create jobs? Who would like to start? Devin, I'm picking on you. Uh, we support uh, building for our future uh, by diversifying kind of the school programs we're pushing and the post-secondary and, and things along that nature. So let's get back to, to technology. Let's, let's promote that, green energy. And uh, in the meantime, let's get this pipeline built. The Alberta Liberal Party has called for uh, accountability from the NDP government on where this thing is at, and we have no updates on that. So let's get the pipeline built. Let's train our, our young people to work in other fields so that we're both relying on the old and the new as far as keeping our, our economy vital and prosperous. Maria. Rachel Notley has done more to diversify the economy in this province than anyone since uh, Premier Lougheed. We're working to refine more, process more, and create more products like plastics, fabrics, and fertilizer. In fact, right here in Lethbridge on the Let's see, I can't remember what street it is, but we have a plastic fabrication plant, and you will recognize it because the roof is totally covered with solar panels. Cavendish Farm. Cavendish Farm first came with a proposal of $258,000 of private investment to do their operation. They are pushing close to $500 million now in that project. We backed that project so that they would come in, creates jobs, and it creates, creates income for this area and the province. We invested in the destination project at the university, a science building that is bar none the best in North America, probably the best in the world. And if you haven't seen it, make sure you go over and see it. We invested in the Trades and Technology Center at the college. The ag programs, 
We invested in those things, and you know something? It worked. Because during this recession that has affected the entire country, Lethbridge remained on an even keel. And we did because of the diversification in our uh, entire southern Alberta region. Agriculture improved. We have groups like Farming Smarter, the research center, both provincial and federal, that uh, gets funding, that helps them do the research to make um, the science that we have in farming and uh, in all aspects of uh, farming move forward. What we're doing on um, uh, irrigation in southern Alberta is amazing. The changes that they've made in uh, the irrigation is saving us over 30% of the water that used to be used for farmland. We have done many, many things to diverse our economy, to diverse our energy in industry. We've invested in wind farms. All of that is going back into our province. It goes back into the grid. It goes back into our economy. We have done the job that we said we would do, and we're going to continue to do that. I have a small analogy for diversification, and I'm going to use the concept of a shopping mall. To be a viable concern, a shopping mall needs anchor stores to fund its growth and deliver its services. Our economy is no different. We need the oil and gas industry and the agricultural industry to act as our anchor industries. Then we need to diversify and grow other industries to eventually end up in a completely balanced economy. It's very bad political guidance to kill an anchor industry based on an ideology without first having another same size industry ready to take its place. Thank you. You'd like to go again, Maria? Uh, yes, I would. In terms of the oil industry, um, in case people don't understand, uh, you have to get the oil out of our province if we're going to get full value for our resource. Rachel Notley has done everything that can possibly be done within our province to make that happen. In fact, it's gone to the federal government, it's gone to federal court, and the federal court made a decision. The uh, Prime Minister did the things that he was asked to do in terms of the consultation that needed to be done. He did that. The National Energy Board has agreed that it should move forward, and I expect it to move forward. I don't know when. I can't say that. I'm not in those uh, places where that uh, decision is actually moved forward. But Rachel Notley and our government have done everything that they can do to make that happen. And when we couldn't make that happen as quickly as possible, we bought rail cars. And we had to do that because we have to move our product. But apart from that, we believe that we need to process our product right here to get that added value, and we are moving forward on that as well. Thank you.
Absolutely. I just have one last question on this topic on pipelines. Is that if what I'm hearing is true, why then did the NDP party and Rachel Notley vote against the Northern Gateway Pipeline Project? Maria, would you like to respond? No. <laughs> no response. Devin would. Maria, can you pass the microphone to him, please? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so we're spending $3.7 billion on rail cars. Um, funny thing being that oil, uh, oil by rail dropped 50% in the month prior to them announcing that plan. Um, this strategy also directly conflicts with the curtailment plan that the current government is enforcing. We're limiting production and spending money that we, we don't have. We need access to new markets. Pipelines are the best way to, to go about that. We can't afford to skip steps like was done, uh, was done currently. So the only way to, to do that is to ensure proper consultation happens, but we want accountability from Ottawa on what's happening and when. I guess the conversation needs to happen with the federal liberals. I like the passion. We're, we're on a, a good start here. This is excellent. <laughs> oh, yes, Devin, please respond. Let me add some clarification to that. The Alberta Liberal Party isn't tied um, by any means to the federal party, whereas the NDP are tied directly through their constitution to a party being led by Jagmeet Singh in Burnaby, BC, who's campaigning against oil. Any comment? This seems a good place to break because we're a little ahead of schedule and I really want to hear your questions for the candidates. So we're going to allow a little bit more time for that. This debate was fantastic. Thank you for, uh, for your, your candor, your honesty, and for asking each other questions. Fantastic. So we are going to take a quick break. Please, during the break, think about your questions. Think about how you're going to ask those questions. Um, and. Hopefully we're not repeating ourselves too much, but uh, go grab a coffee and be back in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs>